Thank you for listening. This is The Popular Vote with Melissa and James. It is Sunday, October 4th, 2020. We are we are literally only, after this episode, we only have four episodes left before Election Day. Can you believe it? I cannot believe it. But these next four weeks are going to be the longest weeks of our lives. I mean, the last three days have just been insane. Where do we even start? Yeah, I don't I don't know. I know that, you know, the debate was I think on the 27th and that feels like 5 years ago. Oh, yeah. That, yeah. that, that and and Ruth Bader Ginsburg's funeral, that could have been a decade ago. That <laughs> happened when that happened when Janet Reno was attorney general as far as I'm concerned. <laughs> so, yeah. Anyways, how was your week? Uh, busy, but good. It's yeah. been just exhausting for so many reasons. You know, to quote Caitlyn Jenner, my week has been tough but good. <laughs> so I, I definitely will will echo that sentiment. Um, I guess we'll start off with I decided to watch. I'm kind of a true crime person, but not like not in like the same way as like moms who drink wine, true crime fan. Mm-hmm. Like I, I casually enjoy it. And I watched the documentary on the Shanann Watts at all murder by her husband Chris. There's Netflix released a new documentary about basically, and for those of you who don't know, Chris Watts was the husband of Shanann Watts. They had two kids and a child on the way, a third child. And he murdered the two children and his wife. Mm-hmm. And he's kind of hot. I'm not going to lie. Um, Noted. Noted. I, <laughs> I mean, I, what he did was terrible. And the documentary, d- are you somewhat familiar with it, Melissa? Somewhat. Okay. Somewhat. I think I've, listen to podcasts where they cover the story, but I haven't seen the, that particular Netflix documentary. Yeah, it's, it's okay. I would give it two and a half out of four stars. So the documentary, so Shanann Watts, if you don't know, she was very much into multi-level marketing schemes and she, I know. We stand. I know. And she, she was constantly putting her family out there on Facebook and social media constantly. There were constant videos and constantly, and it was just interesting because she shows this very positive portrayal of her life on social media. Like a lot of people who are in that MLM community do because everything has to be perfect because they're selling a lifestyle. They're not just selling cosmetics or hand creams or whatever. So the way the documentary is structured is kind of similar to that in that it really just shows videos. There's no narration. It's just videos and then private texts between her and her friends. So the private texts between her and her friends are like, my husband won't have sex with me. My husband hates me. He's not talking to me. I think he's cheating. And then the public portrayal is, oh my God, we just got these new protein bars from our company. (laughs) I can't wait for my husband to come home and try them. But then meanwhile, like it's a mess. So it's interesting it's it's okay unless you're interested in true crime i really wouldn't watch it because it's pretty macabre if you think about what happened i mean it's pretty brutal that he killed his two kids and his wife yeah Yeah, and he he's in prison yes he's in jail he's in jail he pled out so he could not get the death penalty basically Uh, okay okay interesting so anyways yeah yeah i feel like there's um i don't need that added um Turbulence. Turbulence in my life right now. I feel like I can turn on the news and be just as enthralled at like what is going on. Yeah. Yeah. Agreed. So yeah. So with that, I know you watched SNL last night, correct? Yeah. So last night, first episode of the new SNL season, um, I watched it mostly to see Jim Carrey as Joe Biden. I thought he did a pretty good job. 
the I didn't think it the opening skit was all that funny. Um, it was okay, but I think I'm I'm eager to see more of Jim Carrey as Joe Biden. Um, I like his impression, and of course, uh, Maya Rudolph as Kamala is amazing. She's amazing, um, and then of course Alec Baldwin uh, reprised his role as Trump, and they did the skit was about the debate. It it wasn't that funny, but. I think future episodes will be more entertaining. But did you watch that episode last night? I did not, but I am. It's like on my YouTube like list to watch mm-hmm. a few of the skits because I definitely, I definitely want to see Maya Rudolph as Kamala Harris because I think that she is killing it. I feel like she is going to be like, I know she's not like a regular cast member, but I feel like she's going to be the highlight of SNL for the rest of the campaign. Yeah, she her part was very funny. And she, one of her lines was about, um, you know, like she's, you know, everyone wants a WAP, a woman as president. <laughs> <laughs> Which, agree, agree, absolutely. Yeah. Hard to disagree with. Um, love that she's quoting uh, Cardi B's iconic song of the summer 2020. And... <laughs> Uh, Megan the Stallion was the musical guest as oh, well. Perfect. So it was, perfect. it was perfect. And I thought Megan did a great job um, with her performances. So, you, you know, it's so funny. As I get older, I enjoy watching the musical performances on SNL. Right? As, a, as a kid, that used to be like, oh, bathroom break time. And now I'm like, oh, I kind of want to see the musical. Yeah. Artist. Yeah. Yeah. So, oh gosh. So now, I mean, I feel like there's nothing else we can start off our kind of uh, politics coverage with, with anything. But the bombshell news Friday morning, I got the news when I woke up on Friday um, at like 6 a.m. I had checked my phone. I had woken up, turned on, you know, gone to my like blogs that I read. And I saw the news that Trump had been diagnosed with COVID-19. And I was like, holy crud. What? When did you find out? And yeah. So you know how people, um, like if someone in their family dies, they're like, I don't know why, but I woke up at four o'clock in the morning because I just knew I like I had a sense. And then it turns <laughs> out that's when my aunt passed away or whatever. I woke up at like 2 a.m. completely randomly. That it was like Thursday night going into Friday, mm-hmm. I think. I woke up randomly and I couldn't fall back asleep. And I, you know, pull up the news and I see that Trump tested positive. And it was oh like, God. it was like, I knew, you know, I knew. Um, I, yeah, I, I immediately went to Twitter. I immediately went to Reddit. I'm like, what, what does this mean? Is it, is it a lie? Is it true? Is he dying? I, yeah, it was, just, it was wild. And my second, or yeah, my second thought after like, what does this mean is, has Joe Biden been tested yet? Right? Mm-hmm. Like they were just at the at the debate. Is Joe Biden okay? But man, what a wild ride. Um, I have put together a list and it might be out of date. You know, I put it together an hour ago. So it might be out of date at this point. But these are all of the Republicans that have publicly stated that they have tested positive within the last week for COVID. Okay. Donald I'm Trump. Ready. <laughs> Donald Trump. Melania Trump, advisor Hope Hicks, GOP chair Ronna McDaniel, Senator Mike Lee, Senator Tom Tillis, Senator Ron Johnson, (laughs) Notre Dame President Jenkins, one White House staffer, three journalists who work at the White House, former advisor Kellyanne Conway, campaign manager Bill Stepien, Stepien, Stepien? Stepien sounds right, yeah. And former New Jersey Governor Chris Christie. 
And I just want to briefly touch on Chris Christie tweeted that the reason he was going to the hospital is because of his history with asthma. Now, girl, I'm sure you have asthma and I'm sure that is a complicating factor, but he is morbidly obese and that's probably the biggest complicating factor for him. And I'm not trying to be rude. I mean, like, look, my, we all know my waistline has gone up and down. I, I'm the Jessica Simpson of Crown Point, Indiana. Okay. But with that said, it's like, girl, we like, come on. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. And the theory, I correct me if I'm wrong. The theory is that this all that likely the transmission could have occurred at the Amy Coney Barrett Rose Garden nomination ceremony last Saturday. Correct. That's the theory. Correct. Because no one was wearing a mask. <laughs> They were outside, but they were still sitting directly next to each other. They were talking to each other really closely. Hugging. Hugging, exactly. And Twitter, I mean, Twitter is going off. There, And these are some of my favorite tweets about that situation. Um, so are we calling Amy Typhoid Amy or Amy COVID Barrett? Or, <laughs> or the contagious ACB? <laughs> Oh my gosh. But I love that they're calling it the Rose Garden Massacre. I know. Well, it was completely by choice, right? Yeah. Like they, mm -hmm. they could have put on masks. They could have kept a safe distance, right? It was mm -hmm. completely within their control. And they decided to not do any of that. And I'm not surprised. I am not surprised that so many Republicans, including Trump, now have COVID. Well, and, and let me be very clear. I don't wish anyone ill, will, or death. I'm laughing because, look, I'm with the American people on this. There was a poll conducted by ABC Ipsos that said 75% of Americans, three out of four Americans, doubt President Trump took COVID-19 seriously to his personal health. Yeah. We're not shocked. If you keep... You know, it's like it's like if you screw around with a snake, you know, if you're at a public park and you're screwing around with a snake, you're going to get bit. Yeah. I mean, yeah. he didn't take it seriously. He was what? It was only Tuesday. He was making fun of Joe Biden for wearing a mask. I, I, girl, what did you expect was going to happen? Yeah. So I don't I, I don't wish him any I don't wish him death or anything, but it's hard for me to not giggle a little bit about this whole thing when none of you were taking this seriously. Mm hmm. I agree. And I do think he truly has COVID and I do think he is quite sick. And his doctor, like his doctors and his chief of staff, just this, the stuff that's coming out of the White House and the stuff that's coming out of Walter Reed, just none of it, none of it adds up, right? Some people are saying, yeah, he's totally fine. They said this morning he'll probably be released from Walter Reed tomorrow, Monday. But then his chief of staff is saying something different. But even in the press conference that they just had, they were saying his oxygen levels fell below 93% and he's on steroids, which isn't a good indicator. It's just like, you don't know who to believe, what to believe. You don't know, you know, is, is Trump's just trying to spin this to his advantage in some way? Mm -hmm. Is he really sick? I don't know. What, what are your thoughts on the legitimacy of kind of what's going on at Walter Reed. Well, I want to answer your question about Walter Reed, but I also think that I think that he has had COVID and I think that he knew that there was a possibility that he had COVID when he stepped on that debate. Oh, because yeah. if you notice, I don't know if you heard this in the news, but news reports are saying that he showed up with his family. None of them got tested because mm -hmm. you were supposed to get, everyone was supposed to show up in advance, wear masks and get a, get a, rapid COVID test and then be seated. So everyone was supposed to get tested, audience and participants, everything. 
he didn't get tested. He walked in at the last minute. None of his family members wore masks. They all walked in. And uh, I think he had, I think he knew there was a possibility because he probably was symptomatic. He might've had been mildly symptomatic when he walked on that debate stage. So, and then now they're saying that he actually did test positive. Now they're saying on Wednesday, but then didn't release it until Friday. But then they said that that was a lie. But because because yeah. because his doctor has said multiple different things, there's mm -hmm. no consistency. And then his doctor comes out and says he's healthy as a horse. And then Mark Meadows says off the record, his chief of staff, who we'll get to Mark Meadows in this episode, don't worry, the the White House chief of staff and former North Carolina congressman, you know, Mark Meadows says, well, it's really serious and we don't have a clear path forward right now. And you know, had he not, you know, we told him he could either walk out today to Walter Reed or he'd be taken out in a stretcher. Like what? So I think he is sick. I don't, I don't know to the extent of it. I think he is on steroids. I think it's ridiculous that the White House is is sending out videos and photos of him, quote unquote, working at Walter Reed when he's signing blank sheets of paper. Did you see that? He's literally there's they did a zoom in on the on the him, quote unquote, photo of him working at Walter Reed. And it's him signing a blank piece of paper. Oh, my gosh. I uh, they're not very good at propaganda. No. That's my key takeaway here. They're not good at propaganda. <laughs> Um, paging Kim Jong. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's I I can't get over I I just can't get over this whole situation. Um and I I agree with you. I don't I don't wish severe illness on Trump. I really don't. But at the same time, um yeah, he didn't take it seriously. He didn't take it seriously for the 200,000 Americans that have already died from this virus. And now that he has it, he still isn't taking it seriously, right? Like there, there are people on his campaign that were on Meet the Press this morning still still mocking Biden for wearing a mask. Oh, yeah, because they were saying um, he uses it as a prop. Mm -hmm. what, what idiots. And and I, I think it's ridiculous that now the whole, I mean, the campaign manager, the chair of the RNC, um, I do love that Claudia Conway on TikTok <laughs> disclosed her mother's health condition that she had COVID. <laughs> we still, you know what, Claudia, if you want to be our next special guest star, reach out, okay? Reach out to us. Oh my gosh. Slide into our DMs. <clears throat> here's, here's one of my conspiracy theories, okay? I think Pence has COVID. I mean, like everyone in the White House has COVID at this point. Pence mm -hmm. has to have it. And they're never going to admit that, right? But here's my fantasy for the last couple months of 2020. It's that, you know, Trump becomes incapacitated from COVID. So does Pence. And then our girl, Nancy Pelosi, <laughs> becomes short-term president and just crushes Mitch McConnell's plan for ACB and whatever BS he has planned for the rest of the year just comes in and crushes all of the Republican dreams. That would be the ultimate season finale to 2020. Like that is what I need. And what we want is I, I, I we, we're not looking for any, um, you know, just, 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 just a short term of Nancy as president. That's all yeah. we want. We just need a couple weeks. That's yeah, all we we've need. been really good this year. Okay. <laughs> maybe not the country. Maybe the country doesn't deserve this Christmas present, but we deserve this Christmas present. <laughs> um, I've seen a lot of tweets about how, you know, in the last 48 hours, more Democrats have started believing in God and more Republicans have started belie believing in science in just the past 48 hours. <laughs> Oh my gosh. Yeah. So what a mess. And on that note, I guess we can briefly touch on now. Did you, 
this feels like 10 years ago, but the Mm -hmm. debate was this past week. Did you actually watch the full debate? I did. I had a little. Wow. Yeah, I know. (laughs) I had a a watch party on my rooftop and I had some friends over. We were outside. We were safe. Mm -hmm. um, And it was just, it was exhausting. Um, I don't know how exactly how Biden prepared for that debate, but I, I would imagine that if he, if his debate prep consisted of him just like standing next to a timer that went off every 30 seconds and interrupted him, like that would be sufficient enough for him. It was, there was no substance. I did not learn anything from that debate about policy. (laughs) It was exhausting. You watched like the first 15 minutes, right? And you were done. You were well, over it. I was, I tapped out early because I started watching. So just to like, just to frame the scene. So now I don't know if I disclosed this on the podcast, but um, I've become, I mean, obviously this year is all about Bath and Body Works for me, but I also um, have gotten to bath bombs recently. Mm, uh-huh. <laughs> so I had a, and I took a, um, I had a uh, jack-o'-lantern bath bomb from Lush um, I felt like I was cheating on Bath and Body Works and I put it in there. And first of all, it looked like I was bathing in orange Kool-Aid. <laughs> I just want to set the scene. I had my Bath and Body Works candle. I was still going off of um, Dutch apple waffle at the time. Mm-hmm. So I just want to set the scene. I had the candles, the lights down. I had my tablet and I was in the bath. And I, after watching in the bath for five minutes, I went, yeah, this isn't going to last long. And then I moved to my bedroom and I think I watched another fit once they like were pivoting away from the Supreme court and we're starting to talk about healthcare. I was like, I can't do this one mm-hmm. because I felt like Biden wasn't being able to like talk. Mm-hmm. He kept getting cut off and it was just, it was a mess. And this, this week is the vice presidential debate, mm-hmm. which I think should be kind of interesting because I don't think they'll interrupt each other as much. Yeah. I, I don't really know. I don't really know what to expect. I mean, here you have Kamala, who's a career prosecutor, mm-hmm. right? And you have Mike Pence, who was a corporate attorney for a while. Like, I, I, I it'll be interesting. I think my my main prediction is I think Kamala is going to go after him. Pence isn't going to really say anything at all. He'll just chuckle condescendingly and just say, "Well, that's just not true." Mm-hmm. Um, I don't think it will be as dramatic or annoying as the presidential debate, but I also don't think it will be of a lot of substance. But what are your and I don't I, well, one I don't think people are going to watch it. I yeah maybe I, <laughs> I mean, mean I mean maybe that's different with Trump being in the the physical state that he is right now. Yeah, I don't think a lot of Trump supporters are going to watch it. I'm going to watch it because I like Kamala. I think she's she's very – I think this is a setting she'll exceed in. It's mm-hmm. not going to change my vote by any means. Right. But I look at I look at it as entertainment, not as, you know, a way to learn more about candidates. Yeah, I hope she – Um, I hope she like – yeah, I mean, I, I think it'll be interesting. And, and, you know, for what it's worth, you know, Mike Pence is an attorney too. And, you know, he was a graduate of IU McKinney, and I am at IU McKinney Law School. <laughs> so, I mean, there's, you know, even though we have nothing in common, really, that's beyond – I mean, do you think Mike Pence and I really have any of our lifestyle aspects in common? <laughs> I mean, I don't know. You know, you never know. know. You never know, you know. Um, But uh, so anyway, so I'll be, um, I'll be, uh, it'll be, I think it'll be an interesting discussion if nothing else. And I hope Kamala lands a couple jabs. Yeah. And you're going to watch it, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I'll watch it. I don't think I'll turn this one off. Okay. 
Yeah. So with that, I want to briefly touch on, so there was a big Friday news dump. Um, not only the president had COVID, um, but the whole, did you hear about the Melania fuck Christmas thing? Yes. Um, <laughs> I, I, like, I don't disagree. Like who cares? Like, <laughs> I'm obsessed with it also because, okay. So this is just between us. I actually asked the white house for a Christmas card this year. <laughs> oh my God. So like, I mean, I sent it to Melania Trump's office. I literally sent it to Melania Trump asking for one. And it's like, she's like, fuck Christmas. So, and I sent it out like within the last two weeks. So who knows if I'm going to get one? You know what I mean? Who knows? (laughs) So anyway, I I just feel like there was a lot of good like drama that's like being overshadowed by COVID. Mm -hmm. I mean, the tax stuff. No one's talking about the tax stuff anymore. Yeah. Yeah, tech stuff. When did that happen? That was that was when Ronald Reagan was president. It seems like. I mean, you just keep going back in time. <laughs> um, but my favorite, fuck Christmas, was good. But my absolute favorite story that got dropped, I believe, on Friday was Donald Trump Jr.'s girlfriend and former Fox News co-host and California Governor Gavin Newsom's ex-wife, Kimberly Guilfoyle. There was the New Yorker reported on some bombshell allegations that were in a sexual harassment suit by a former Fox News employee. And I just before we go any further, I just want to read the allegations that were in the complaint that was drafted up, because I think this says everything you need to know. So the employee was frequently required to work at Guilfoyle's New York apartment while the Fox host displayed herself naked and was shown photographs of the genitalia of men with whom Guilfoyle had had sexual relations. The draft complaint also alleged that Guilfoyle spoke incessantly and luridly about her sex life and on one occasion demanded a massage of her bare thighs. Other times, she said Guilfoyle told her to submit to a Fox employee's demands for sexual favors, encouraged her to sleep with wealthy and powerful men, asked her to critique her naked body, demanded that she share a room with her on business trips, required her to sleep over at her apartment, and exposed herself to her, making her feel deeply uncomfortable. Do we need to say anything else? <laughs> this woman is awful and also fascinating, right? Like, who? <laughs> and I mean, Don Jr., like, like they're dating, right? That's the thing. Yeah, so they're having some freaky, some yeah. freaky deaky. He must like them very freaky because there's nothing else to say about Kimberly Guilfoyle. Well, I... yeah. And that Fox News employee allegedly got four and a half million dollars from Fox News. Because part of the allegations, so there was that whole host of allegations. And then there was another allegation made that when when um, all of the stuff that was covered in Bombshell, like the investigation into all of the sexual harassment with Roger Ailes, when that independent consulting firm or law firm came in to do that whole report on Fox, this employee was threatened by Kimberly Guilfoyle that, hey, you better not tell them the truth. I'll give you cash if you decide to not tell them. And then said, and if you don't take this cash and if you don't lie basically to this investigator we'll go ahead and we'll just leak really personal private stuff that we know about you (sighs) so after all that is said and done after the investigation after all that and this lawsuit was filed she this employee got four and a half million dollars which means that there's some merit to it you would not settle something for four and a half million dollars with no merit Uh, yeah this woman's awful but not not surprising she found her way into the trump family right like birds of a feather oh yeah oh my gosh you know that they the trump the trump campaign has like an alternative view talk show 
that Kimberly Guilfoyle is one of the women on. It's like her, Katrina Pearson, Laura Trump, and somebody else. And it's, I don't know, it's called like the real view or it's called like the, <laughs> it's called like the right view or something. Like it's very ridiculous. And I don't really watch it because I just get angry when I watch it, but it is kind of funny because it's like, it's like women with no sense of humor, no charisma, and no real sense of right and wrong try to take on the view. And, and a lot of makeup and fake eyelashes yeah. and short dresses, I'm sure. <laughs> um, so, so, so you know how police departments, especially in large cities, in their annual budget, they have a, a line item for settlements, right? And it's a lot of money. It's like the biggest line item. Who do you think has a bigger line item for settlements? Police departments or Fox News? Um, with what I know, it seems Fox News. <laughs> Maybe this year, because of all the police incidents, maybe this mm-hmm. year they overtake Fox News. Mm-hmm. But maybe this year is really just an outlier because it's 2020. And that <laughs> if you were to go back and look at the average, like the rolling average, mm-hmm. Fox News clearing away the front runner. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> so, you know, enough about Kimberly. I'm sure she'll do something next week that we'll talk about. But I want to talk about you did a little bit of a deep dive on Chief of Staff, White House Chief of Staff Mark Meadows. And I'm very interested to learn. I've got my notebook ready. I've got my trolls backpack opened up with my stencils and pencils. I'm ready to learn. So take me to class, Melissa. So I was reading an article from Politico about Mark Meadows. And his name has come up a lot in the last couple of days because his comments, his own comments about Trump's health have been contradictory. But then his comments with his doctors have also been contradictory. So I'm just like, who is this person? I didn't know a lot about him. I'm going to read some excerpts from this Politico piece because this is another fascinating person in politics that I think we we all need to learn more about. So in January of 2013, after an unsuccessful attempt by Tea Party conservatives to overthrow House Speaker John Boehner, a rookie congressman from North Carolina slinked into the Speaker's office complex inside the U.S. Capitol. Mark Meadows had not voted against Boehner on the House floor, but he had participated in the plotting, and word had since leaked out, naming him as one of the conspirators. And then this is a quote from John Boehner. He's on the couch, sitting across from me in my chair, and suddenly he slides off of the couch, down onto his knees, puts his hands together in front of his chest. He says, Mr. Speaker, will you please forgive me? Um, And Boehner's chief of staff, Mike Summers, described it as the strangest behavior I have ever seen in Congress. So Boehner you know, forgave him for, you know, being the main person to try and, you know, whip votes against him. Right. Mm -hmm. Um, And Boehner goes, um, and then he sends me the most gracious note you'll ever read saying what an admirable job I did as speaker. I just figured he's a schizophrenic. (laughs) (laughs) Um. It's a, it's a fascinating article. I highly suggest everyone read the full thing. But fast forward um, that this article also says, friends would describe Mark Meadows as a respectable player, calculating and slippery, but decent to a fault. Enemies would liken him to a political sociopath, someone whose charm and affability conceal an unemotional capacity for deception. What both groups 
would agree upon is that Meadows, the 61-year-old White House Chief of Staff, is so consumed with his cloak and dagger, three-dimensional chess approach to Washington that he can't always be trusted. Um, And so he just seems like an insane person and not surprising that he's in the White House and working for Trump. Yeah, bizarre. Also extremely conservative, like, and socially conservative. But what's crazy is, and I just, breaking news, this was in the last 15 minutes, CNN is reporting that President Trump is furious with Chief of Staff Mark Meadows after the top West Wing official contradicted the White House Physicians Assessment Saturday. Because what'll happen is, is he keeps claiming that he's this off-the-record, I guess, Mm -hmm. source. And he's like, oh, the president's condition's more dire because the physician will come out and say like, oh, we gave him all these steroids and drugs that we would normally just give to really ill people, but he's doing great. Mm-hmm. And then Mark Meadows is like, he's fucked. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, basically, right? Yes, yes. Oh uh, and I mean, from Mark Meadows's perspective, there's, there is benefit to him doing that, right? If the White House is saying two different things and the news outlets are reporting on two different things, people are going to be like, I can't trust the media because they're telling me both that Trump's not doing well and he is doing well, right? Right. So when you're sowing doubt in media outlets, like I feel like that's something the Trump administration wants. The other thing, though, is if if people are leaking that he isn't doing well and then it turns out he does recover and he's like stronger and better than ever, that's going to be really good for Trump and he is going to play that up with his base. So it's interesting that Trump is so angry about it, allegedly. I feel like going back to the three-dimensional chest that Meadows likes to play, I think there's an upside to him leaking that yeah. for the administration. No, you're, you're not wrong. You're not wrong. I don't think... I, if Meadows is playing three-dimensional chess, I bear I think Trump is barely playing tic-tac-toe. Okay. So let's let's get that straight. So Trump doesn't see it that way, right? Yeah. Yeah. So uh so with that, um, thank you for that information on Mark Meadows. I will definitely need to check out that piece because I do think that um there's a lot of interesting background characters in the Trump administration. We've covered some of them on the pod, Kaylee McEnany. Yeah. Um, obviously the iconic Omarosa, <laughs> who I think was on NBC this morning. <laughs> and she she posted a picture about to go live on NBC. And she her face was made up, but you could also tell that not only was it made up with makeup, she had face tuned the photo. Yeah, there were no <laughs> It's like she put a blur filter on her face and there were it, it's like you yeah, it looked like she put petroleum jelly like on her lens and took a photo. Like that's how bad it was. She looked like a Lisa Frank creation. <laughs> to give you a visual. So, highly recommend that. So, I guess we'll go ahead and we'll pivot to our typical losers and legends of the week. And Melissa, I'm really interested. I want you to I want you to pick me up. I really want you to give me your legend of the week. My legend of the week is Jamie Harrison. Um, the former South Carolina Democratic Party chairman who was challenging incumbent uh, Senator Lindsey Graham. They had a debate last night. And the reason why he is my legend is because Jamie Harrison brought his own plexiglass barrier to Saturday's debate to separate him from Lindsey Graham. Can you blame him? I mean, it... (laughs) (laughs) I, I, I mean, they were, you know, more than six feet apart, but I just love that he's like, no, I'm bringing my, this plexiglass barrier. I'm setting it up right here. Um, yeah, it's amazing. 
Amazing. I hope Kamala pulls something like that at the VP debates. Well, and I wouldn't, I, the, the bottom line is that, that as soon as, as soon as handwashing, I saw multiple polls that showed that handwashing was a partisan issue. As soon as I found out that Republicans were less likely to wash their hands than Democrats, I was like, I can't trust these people. When handwashing yeah. becomes a partisan issue, we're fucked. <laughs> Clean your damn hands. <laughs> but no, I, I I like Jamie Harrison a lot. I've seen some of his ads; they're fantastic. He's a great candidate. Um, he it looks like he has a shot. It'll probably be difficult in a state like South Carolina, but I mean, he's raised so much money. Yes, yes, yeah. So if anything, yeah, he's making he's making um, Republicans spend money in South Carolina, which is always a good thing. Yeah. Uh, who's your legend of the week? So my legend of the week is a little bit more local. Um, okay. I my legend of the week is Trader Joe's. <laughs> <laughs> so I mean, everyone loves Trader Joe's, right? Yes. I don't. I don't know anyone that doesn't like Trader Joe's. Maybe not. There's certain things maybe you don't like at Trader Joe's, but by and large, ever there's something for everyone at Trader Joe's. Yes. I mean, I feel like it's snack food heaven. Oh, absolutely. There's so many great snacks. So I went there to pick up some snacks for the week. I thought this will be fun. So I like went inside, had a great experience. They're like all about social distancing. And these two delightful twinks rang me up and they like complimented me, asked me about my day. And I told them, I said, oh, I'm planning on getting a little in a, a little bit of mischief today. And they just <laughs> thought that was great. Did I get into mischief? No. Um, did I eat a pint of ice cream? Yes. So maybe that's considered mischief. Have I become one of those old ladies that says, let's do something naughty and like crack <laughs> open a pint of ice cream? Maybe, maybe I'm that, maybe that is what I'm at in 2020 right now. <laughs> but I want to salute Trader Joe's amazing service and these cute little delightful twinks that were just so much fun to ring up. I love Trader Joe's. I can't say I've had an experience in which two delightful twinks have rung me up, but... <laughs> Amazing snacks. I think, you know, my friend Cynthia, loyal listener to the pod. Hey, Cynthia. She bought carrot cake cookies. Mm -hmm. Um, She was over the other day and they were at, like, they were really good. That had like the cream cheese frosting in oh. between, like sandwiched mm. in between two carrot cake cookies. Oh, it was so good. Um, And I feel like Trader Joe's really understands their audience and they really lean into the pumpkin spice. It's pumpkin spice everything. 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 Mm -hmm. I well, I really now I'm kind of like, I want that carrot cake cookie because I'm all about the cream cheese frosting. Oh. Highly recommend. Okay. Highly well, recommend. Well, another reason to go back. <laughs> <laughs> so who is your loser of the week? So I feel like in this episode, we talked about politics a lot, mm -hmm. right? So I'm going to pivot to musicians and artists. My loser of the week is Lana Del Rey. Oh. Because this week, Lana Del Rey had a surprise book signing at Barnes & Noble, did not notify Barnes & Noble ahead of time. <laughs> so a bunch of people showed up. Uh, and her mask was one of those like sequin masks where mm. there's truly no protection. Like it is, <laughs> there's a bunch of holes in the mask. It is not blocking anything at all. Oh my God. And she's taking all these selfies with fans and it's like, this is a terrible idea. We're in the middle of a pandemic. There's no reason why you need to have a book, a book, like, who are you? You do not need to have a book signing 
actually, okay, I don't know if it was a book signing or like an album signing. I don't, I can't remember. Anyway, it was just stupid on so many different levels. But I did some more research on her, and apparently she's like a crazy conservative who doesn't believe in coronavirus. Go fucking figure. Anyway, she's my loser of the week. She sucks. Yeah. Who's your loser of the week? Well, so I'm pivoting away from politics as well. And I, my loser of the week is Ben Weirda. Does that ring? Does that name ring a bell? If it doesn't, no, that's okay. No. So Ben Weirda is Betsy DeVos's nephew and Kathy Lee Gifford's son-in-law. Wait, Betsy DeVos's nephew and Kathy Lee Gifford's son-in-law. Right. So she, so Ben Weirda is Betsy DeVos's nephew, and he married into Kathy Lee Gifford's family by marrying her daughter. Do you and think? I, do you think that they get together at holiday? Probably, because Kathy Lee Gifford's a Republican. She's very conservative. Because uh, she babysat for Anita Bryant back in the day. Now Anita Bryant, it was, I guess, like the spokeswoman for Florida orange juice back in the day. And like horribly anti-gay, like horribly anti-gay was like trying to pass all, like trying to repeal all these anti trying to repeal all these pro gay rights, local like employment ordinances back in the day. Like she was like, like campaigning across the country to get them repealed. Cause she didn't think gay should be able to teach in classrooms. And Kathy Lee Gifford would babysit mm. for Anita Bryant's kids. So that tells you everything you need to know about Kathy Lee Gifford. I'm not a I fan. See. Also see. those carnival cruise line ads from the eighties are tacky as hell. You know, I just respect that she drank wine on the Today Show with Hoda at 9 a.m., you know? Yeah, I mean, and look, and that's what she's known for in our generation. And we obviously support that aspect of her, yes. but there are problematic aspects. But anyways. Agreed. So Ben Weird is my loser of the week because I guess the Kathy Lee Gifford family, including the son-in-law, Ben Weirda, were on Family Feud recently. Oh, now, I don't watch Family Feud, but I saw this on some of the blogs that I read. I haven't watched Family Feud I think I don't, I, I could, I could name like a Bush cabinet level official <laughs> who was in charge when I last watched Family Feud, but I don't even think that that would be recent enough. <laughs> so Ben Weirder was on Family Feud and he was wearing the tightest pants possible. The tightest pants. You could see everything, like literally everything. And it wasn't like, I'm sorry, but like Moose Knuckles, not sexy. It's not, mm -hmm. it's not no. sexy. No. And there's a scene I'll send you, I'll send you after this, I'll send you the video clip and maybe, you know, maybe we'll post, maybe we'll post a screenshot to the popular vote. So be on the lookout for that. But there's a screenshot. There's like a, there's a uh, video of him at the very end of the show. You know, they all come out on stage and mm -hmm. kind of wave goodbye as the credits roll. So he comes out on stage with his family and you see him visibly like look down at his, crotch area and like looks back up and has that like oh fuck look on his face because you can see everything there's nothing hidden so he's my loser of the week <laughs> was it distracting to the other contestants on the show well i would think so some of them probably had to like move around so they didn't poke their eye out <laughs> <laughs> okay i don't want any ocular injuries uh, and he's married to Kathy Lee's daughter. son or daughter. daughter. Okay. <laughs> okay. You never know. I don't know. I don't know. Okay. It is 2020. You never know. Lots of plot twists. Lots of lots of things that weren't on people's bingo cards. <laughs> <laughs> um, I have one other thing I want to bring up on this okay. episode. And mm -hmm. this person is too young to label them a legend or loser. So we're not going to even like put it in that category, but I do want to bring it up because 
our favorite host from The View had a baby. And I want to get your thoughts on the name. So Megan McCain had a daughter and named her Liberty Sage. Tell me your thoughts on that name. On brand for her. <laughs> Literally, when I heard the name, I thought, well, that's on brand for her. Mm-hmm. Um, I would not name my child Liberty Sage. I'm also not planning on getting pregnant anytime soon, despite my best efforts. <laughs> I, you know, I, I'm not a fan of it. Um, I assume Liberty because she's obsessed with the Constitution and the Founding Fathers, allegedly. And then Sage is like homage to her her peoples of Arizona, correct? Uh, I, I don't know about Sage. <laughs> but... I mean, the baby's name is Liberty Sage McCain, and then whatever her husband's last name is. I don't know. So she did Oh, Dom- Dominich. I think Dominich is his last name. I, I'm not I don't sure. know, whatever. But like, do you think she's going to go by Liberty McCain just to really, really lay it on thick? You know, look, I mean, it's not for me, but at this time, you know what? I'm, I'm standing with the McCain family because they're standing with the Democratic Party. So at this point, like... <laughs> Ask ask me ask me if Biden loses what I think and I'll trash it. But for now, I'm just gonna hold. I'm gonna keep my powder dry. Yeah, I I she's probably gonna go by Libby, which is a cute name. Um, mm-hmm. I like Sage a lot actually. Uh, it's just you know it's very on the nose. Um, but it could be way worse, right? It could be Reagan. Uh, yeah. Oh, could you? Okay. If Megan McCain, this would be the ultimate power move of 2020. Could you imagine when she announced the birth of her daughter, if she had named her like Liberty Biden McCain Damovich <laughs> and was like, by the way, I'm in, I'm endorsing Biden in this election. Could you imagine? Well, what I would really love is if the tweet said, by the way, and it was <laughs> B-I the way. And then, of course, you know, all the all the Internet sleuths that, you know, think that, you know, when Trump tweeted together, it meant to get her. Have you heard <laughs> about that? That they thought by also meant that uh, Meghan McCain swings both ways <laughs> in addition to supporting <laughs> Biden. <laughs> uh, yeah. Uh, too funny. Too funny. Well, this has been a fabulous episode. Thank you so much for spending it, spending your day with us. And uh, take a little time to enjoy the view. (laughs) (laughs) Goodbye. Bye.